morning, everybody. I, I just wanted to give you guys another Warrior Within today. Um, also today, my wife and I are going to be driving out to Montrose to uh, visit the town. So we'll be gone for the next four days. And I didn't want to leave you guys high and dry without anything this week. So I've actually been having a lot of talk and discussion on discipleship. And we, we've probably all heard about discipleship. We probably were in discipleship groups. We've probably done all this type of stuff where you're getting sort of trained. But the honest thing I, I, I think we need to really take a step back and think about is how well is our discipleships working at churches? Now, I'm not saying all churches, but I want you guys to think about your own church. Are you being trained and taught with application to live out what it means to be a disciple of Christ. I know I've probably said the same before, but something that had I've been taught was you're not truly a disciple until your disciple is discipling someone else. Now, there might be times where you don't know if one of somebody that you've been discipling is discipling someone else. But at the same time, it is a good way to see whether or not you are, your discipling is affecting or creating fruit into someone else who's also trying to create fruit for so, into someone else as well. You know, I know I've mentioned about discipleship here and there, and we've talked about it even through the, the sower of the seed. Uh, but it's been really sticking to my head because I, I do feel a lot of people are probably in that rocky ground or the stony ground that's in that parable. Where they accept Christ and they're excited, but then as soon as things get hard, they bail, they jump. A lot of people really love the concept of what it feels be like a Christian or feel that joy just for that time they go to worship they love it they're transformed they're praising God the Holy Spirit's in them but then as soon as something kind of like nitpicks at that belief or starts pushing them you know have a hard time you know they're, they're getting sick or someone's going to die in their family when things start getting really thick their root was so thin that they basically bailed. They jumped. Because they thought it was not going to be hard. They thought it was going to be easier. Because now they have Jesus in their life. But the thing is they never allow themselves to mature. I think that's the key thing. Maturity takes time. I mean think about it. You were a child. And you grew to uh, basically. You would say a young kid. And then you became a preteen, and then you became a teen, and then you became a, a young adult, and then you became a an adult, per se. And that took time. You know, you didn't turn three and become an adult instantaneously, right? You know, you, you didn't get it within the year of being born, or, you know, let's say you got saved when you were seven. You didn't know God as well as you know God now because of like a year or two or three in the faith, right? It took time. You know, we don't master our theology. We don't master our prayer. We don't master all that 
but we do go from milk to meat and then we grow and we keep growing and we keep growing we keep challenging ourselves we keep looking at our life and making sure that we are walking upright at least that's what you're supposed to be doing that's discipleship a friend of mine and I, we were talking about how discipleship is built around relation. And it made me think about how all Jesus and, all, and everything in the New Testament talks about the church as a body, okay? A body of Christ or the body of the church, right? So everybody has their function, their form, their, their purpose within the church. Be honest with me, how many of you guys feel like in the church that you're in that you're part of the body? I've been in small churches, I've been in big churches, and there's not really a difference. It's not like the smaller the church, the less likely I am to get lost. Because technically, if the church is not integrating you into their church, you can get lost very easily. I find it a little bit easier the bigger the church. You know, I've been in a church that had over 2,000 people in it. And I even reached out to leadership and I, I tried to get my footing in because why? Because I understood how I could do that. But does every person know that? And I would say no, because I remember being in another church and being a young man and all the young people that I was trying to help, I had parents and adults getting mad at these young people saying how come they're not involved how come they're not doing this how come they're not involved in this how come they're not stepping up in here and I kind of looked at them and I said I was like because they don't know have you told them about it no it's in the email you think all these young people get the email from the church you see that's the key thing is that we're not training we're not teaching we're not and indulging into the lives of these people, which is why in Titus 2 made, made a little bit more sense. But Paul is writing to Titus. He says, as, as for you, Titus, promote the kind of living that reflects wholesome teaching. Teach older men to exercise self-control, to be worthy of respect and to live wisely. They must have sound faith and be filled with love and patience. Similarly, teach the older women to live in a way that honors God. They must not slander others or be heavy drinkers and said they should teach others what is good. The older women must train the younger women to love their husbands and their children, to live wisely and be pure, to work in their homes, to do good and to be submissive to their husbands. Then, then they will not bring shame on the, on the word of God. In the same way, encourage young men to live wisely. And you yourself must be example to them by doing good works of every kind. Let everything you do reflect the integrity and the seriousness of your teaching. Teach the truth so that your teaching can't be criticized. Then those who oppose us will be shamed, ashamed and have nothing bad to say about it. Now, it does talk about slaves must obey their pet masters and do their best to please them. They must not talk back or steal, but must show themselves to, enti to be entirely trustworthy and good. They will make the teaching about God, our Savior, attractive in every way. For the grace of God has been revealed, bringing salvation to all people. And we are instructed to turn from godliness living, or godless living and sinful pleasures. We should live in, in this evil world with wisdom, righteousness, devotion to God. 
while we look forward with hope to the one that wonderful day when the glory of our God, the great God and Savior Jesus Christ, will be revealed. He gave his life to free us from every kind of sin, to cleanse us, and to make us his very own people, totally committed to doing good works. We must teach these things, encourage the believers to do them. You have the authority to correct them when necessary, so don't let anyone disregard what you say. See, the idea is that Paul was emphasizing teaching. Teaching older men, teaching younger men. Okay, the idea is men is that we need to be taking all of our wisdom, taking what we've learned, or exercising our, our self-control, the patience, and the understanding of faith and the understanding of love. And we're supposed to be teaching the younger men. There was a time like in the 80s where it was just kind of like, hey, you're 18, now you're adult, good luck. And they kick, they kick their kid out and kind of tell him, hey, you know, I did it this way and this is what my dad did. And so therefore, you know, it's going to work with you. But now we have a bunch of generations underneath those 80 peoples who are growing up who don't know what to do and neither those kids in the 80s because they had to learn how to be an adult that, that our job as a parent doesn't end when they hit 18 my parents are still giving me advice and understanding they're still you know trying to help me to grow in my faith they're still helping me to grow as a man it doesn't stop when I hit 18 then I have to figure everything out can you imagine that's how God treated us? See, the idea is that I, I think many churches have forgotten that they're supposed to continue teaching no matter how old they are or even how young they are. Because like I said, even a young person is still teaching an older person some things that they didn't know because they learned something. Discipleship is about the relational connection between people. And to have a body of Christ or the church body to actually be in unity means there has to be some type of communication, teaching, and growth. And I know some of you are like, well, that's what the pastor's for. It's why, you know, people come to church. The pastor's job is to teach and train you. And then to also confront things that are not biblical and to speak out against sin and to talk about uh, how to recognize false teachers. That's the job of the pastor. I want you guys to really think about that. Have we created a church community that has basically lost its identity? And so now we're so hungry for something that we chase after something that it's so easily to feel that we must be more connective to the culture instead of impactive I want you guys to think about that for a time um, we're going to take a quick break but I want you guys to think about it we've kind of changed the concept of what being a Christian is, what being a church is, and the responsibility of leadership. We've allowed change to come into our church. 
and take a quick break and I'll see you in a moment. Hello, we're back again, and we've been talking about has there been change in our church that we should be excited about? Because remember, one of the things like I have mentioned a few times is that a lot of churches have focused on being a seeker-sided type of church where they seek out those that are lost. But is church really supposed to be about seeking out the lost or is it about training those that believe how to seek out the lost? See, through all these years, I, I feel that the church has kind of lost sight of the direction that it was supposed to be as a church that plants the seeds, that reaches out to the lost with the concept of, well, that's what the pastor is supposed to do. No, no. It is not the job of me and all these other pastors to be running around reaching out to the lost while you get to just listen to me on Sundays and you get to kind of go home and do your own thing. Yes, I'm supposed to reach out to the lost, but I'm also supposed to be teaching and leading you with the same type of view. That's why I think there's a lot of people who are still stuck in the milk stage of their of their Christianity of their discipleship where it's so easily be influenced because look at how many churches have taken so easily a progressive stationary ideology into their church. Instead of teaching truth, they're teaching a mix of the truth. So that way person that's from the world will be more willing to come to church or feel more loved by the church. Well, we don't talk about sin in this church because everybody knows that they're a sinner. We just talk about Jesus' love. Now, the whole point of why the gospel is being taught the way it is being taught is because people don't know that they're a sinner. Because they are enslaved to it, so therefore it's normal and acceptable. We can't walk around acting as if people understand what sin is. And there's even Christians that don't understand sin. You can go and talk to people that you've known for years, be going to your church and tell them, hey, did you, you know, blah, 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 did this. And they're going to be like, oh, what's wrong with that? Oh, well, you know, the Bible says this. Oh, it does. People will actually be that way. And they could be in the church for 10, 20 years because no one was training these people to think how to study the scriptures, how to pray pray with God, how to live the life they're supposed to live because the example is only seen on Sundays because there's no added relationship building outside of that. This is the struggle I think we have with discipleship is that discipleship means you have to take of your time to actually invest in someone's life, get to know them, pray with them, to be willing to share your faults as much as they are willing to share their faults. And you grow from that. You have accountability. You get prayer time together. You get encouragement. You get basically, it's even accountability, but it's more like people willing to confront you about things that you are doing wrong. Not because 
they don't love you because they love you so much they want you to change they want you to get on track that's the number one thing is i i i feel that as we've gone through these last couple of decades we've forgotten how to be that connective to people how to have that relationship with people that's more than just sunday it's more than just maybe a sunday dinner or lunch when was the last time that you picked up the phone and called someone that you know at church that you are friends but you knew that they were struggling with something did you call and check on them a couple days later did you take time to pray with them when was the last time that you actually had a intellectual discussion with someone about the bible or something that you've learned or studied that and someone else was able to share back with you i mean it's all great and fun that you have a a small group that you go to but i'm talking about outside of a prepared church setting when was the last time that you just invited a few men over and said hey we're just going to pray over our church we're going to pray over a pastor we're going to pray over the leadership of the church and the decision making we're just going to come and do that and pray you guys want to come and do this let's do this i remember one of the things in high school that impacted me was every morning i believe it was every morning before school, the men of the school, the young men of the school, the coach who was also the Bible teacher, who was also eventually a, uh, the principal at one point, he would open up his door in his office at the gym, and all the all, all the young men that wanted to come, they'd come together and we'd just pray. Every single morning, it was probably like a half an hour before school started, we'd go there and pray. That impacted me. That was discipleship. Because we got to see an evident how to actually pray for our church, how to pray for the school, how to pray for each other a bit. You know, even though we weren't really best buddies and friends and can you know and all had this huge relationship with one another, that moment, that time of prayer united us in unity. It was very powerful. And I think that's the key thing that we've kind of forgotten is how to build young men, how to build leaders in our church again. And the same with the women. How, how many of you women that listen to this, how many of you have reached out to someone that you know was struggling, having a hard time, and you reached out to them again outside of Sunday, outside of the small group? See, the key thing of today is that we have so much going on that we're distracted, that we're too busy to involve ourselves into anything more than the time that we have allowed or allotted to be like Sunday, Sunday afternoon, maybe a Thursday night or a Wednesday night, maybe even, maybe one Saturday a, a month. That was it. So instead of building up other people and discipling each other kind of made it into like a social club. This is why I'm calling out on you guys, on you men, to step up. You know, Titus was told to be to be someone who's reaching out and teaching or encouraging these men to step up. And he, he was even encouraged to tell the women to step up. 
because it looks like in this situation, the older women were by themselves, the older men were by themselves, and the younger women were by themselves, the younger men were by themselves, and no one was interacting because I think one of the other missing keys is the generational connection between the older to the young. Many of the older guys have interacted with anybody in the youth group. Maybe the middle school or even the children's program. Now, I'm not talking about teaching, but interacting. Many of you have asked a younger couple with their kids to come over for dinner, just to talk with them, spend time with them. How many of you opened your door for the youth group to have an activity at your at your big farm that you have? Maybe just your house provided snacks, provided opportunity to open your doors to them. Can you even name three kids in the youth group that you don't know? That's an interaction that we're missing because we're not spending time building. We're not spending time uh, making sure their roots are not growing in the wrong type of ground. Because these young people are going to become adults. And if they feel, and I, I have experience with this, if they feel that the church doesn't care about them, that tells you the church isn't interacting with them. I want you guys to think about the rest of this week. I want you guys to focus on how is discipleship working in your church? How are you doing discipleship outside of Sunday in your Bible study? I want you to think about ways that you can improve your opportunity to reach out. If you're, let's say you're a couple that's in their 40s, your kids are all in teens, but there's this young couple that just had two kids or just about just had their first kid, have you reached out to them? Have you asked them over for dinner? Have you invited them to maybe an activity or let's, hey, we're going to do something fun, you know, game night and just want to know if you'd like to come. Um, one of my kids can actually babysit you know, your, your baby and you could just like, they need that. They're hungry for that, that connectivity. And we can provide those opportunities if we open up our doors beyond Sunday and Bible study time. Because that young couple could be struggling and you could be the one couple that could help them through that struggle. Yes, they may have mom and dad involved, but if mom and dad isn't around, if mom and dad are a thousand miles away, they don't have that connectivity of being there for them. You know, that being physically there, that's important too. That's why it's really important for us as a church, as a body, to be working together to build up our community. You can't sit there and just throw it all on your pastor's lap to do everything. That's not how it's supposed to be. He's to train and teach, and he is to be involved, and he should be discipling too. You can't throw the whole responsibility on him to do it all. That's the whole point of him training you is so that you could step up and you can help where help is needed. You don't need to have a, a Bible degree. You don't need to be a licensed pastor. This is, should be a normal thing in our church. This should be almost so normal that it would be abnormal to not see people helping each other, encouraging one another, building up one another, praying for each other. Like, how many times have you seen where there's a prayer team 
but they're the only ones that pray for anybody. While everybody else, like, as soon as service is done, they take off running, getting away, going to their next thing, enjoying their day off. And But they don't recognize that one person who's in the still sitting in their chair crying because they were just told a couple days ago that they have cancer. We didn't notice that, that woman who's crying because she's about to lose her business and she doesn't know what to do. Or you didn't notice that guy who was horrible and anguished because last night he slept with his girlfriend. Because you're so focused on yourself that you've unlocked your mind to only think about what self needs. That's not what discipleship is about. It's paying attention to your community, paying attention to the environment that you're in, and opening your eyes beyond your tunnel. Yes, it will take time. Yes, you could be sitting there praying for a couple hours or listening to them for a couple hours. But I can tell you this is worth it to see someone transformed and changed and encouraged and built up and not feel alone. Loneliness is huge. 2020 has created a lot of loneliness. Before then, individualism is what's been plaguing the church for quite a while. Which is why it's so easy to bring progressive ideology why it's so easy to be very different in the way that we reach out to the culture because we want to fit in we don't want to impact it that's why new age it's got in that's why the emergent movement that started years ago and even decades and decades and decades ago seeped in and it's so easily able to change the mindset because it makes hell look less makes sin not as important and it could change the idea of the gospel that's why we have so many false teachers today that are being given all this money being blessed and and being supported because they create a charismatic feeling that's like makes you feel good makes you feel special the thing is you're adopted child of god you are special because you were adopted. And you accepted Christ. And yet these guys are getting treated as kings here on this earth. And that's all they're going to get. Because they're teaching so many people a false view of Christianity. Don't be fooled. Pay attention to your church. Pay attention to the people there. That's all I have for you guys this week. I hope this will be challenging. Let's pray real quick. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for this day. I ask that you just bless the men and even the women that listen to this, that you would help them to pay attention, that you would remove the blinders of tunnel vision that, they are, that they've been focused on, on themselves so heavily, that they may be able to see how you can transform your, their churches out through them. By stepping up into, as, as, as leaders in many ways, but as disciples. All it takes, for, all it takes is for somebody in there, for them to actually notice and reach out and to ask them over for dinner, to spend time with them, to be encouraging them through their struggles and their weaknesses right now. That could be the start. If you can see a group of people in just one church starting to do that with others, you'll start seeing that impact really quickly. 
I pray, Lord, that you would bless the hearts that are listening today, that you would open up those hearts and you would give them the courage to be able to do this beyond just Sunday and beyond just their Bible study time. Start building disciples again in people's churches. Let's see a transformation that's going to make churches just pop out because they are impacting, not trying to fit in. Thank you, Lord, for all that you do for us, and I pray that you just bless many of these people the rest of their week, but also their weekend. In Jesus' name, amen. I pray that you all have a blessed week and a blessed weekend. I'll see you next time. Thank you.